Father God, we just, we just welcome you as we, as we hear those words. Here comes heaven, Father God. And that is, that's the cry of our hearts this morning, Lord. It's that heaven would come to earth, Father. That, that you would continue to do sanctification within us to make us more like you, Father God. That we can live out your gospel and the good news that came to Bethlehem all those years ago, Lord. We invite you in this place this morning, Father God, as the hope of heaven, Lord. And I just pray that our hearts would be ignited with a new sense of hope this morning, Father God. That it's been a, a weary and difficult couple of years, Father God, but we just invite your hope in this morning. We just invite, for, invite you in for a new perspective to, to just realign and recalibrate us, Father God, that, that our hope is in you, not in things of this world, Father God. Amen. Thank you so much, Dan. That was awesome. Sorry, just get myself sorted here. So yeah, good morning again, Maharangi Vineyard Church. Um, it is a pleasure for me to be kicking off our Advent series with you this morning. Um, as some of you would know or might not know, but Angela and Lyndon have tested positive for COVID this week, so they are um, unfortunately stuck in isolation. So I got the call up, I think, on Wednesday morning or somewhere around there. Um, so probably a little bit underpolished, as you can see. The slides are looking awesome. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, uh, just bear with me, be gracious with me this morning as I uh, kind of try and kick off this Advent series and obviously keep Angela and Lyndon in your thoughts and prayers um, as they kind of navigate their week in isolation. Now my wife would tell you that it is extremely ironic that I am kicking off our Advent series. For the last, well we've been married almost nine years or so, the title that I've held in our household is that of the Grinch. I, uh, yeah, I just struggle to get excited about Christmas as much as she does. And it's probably a perspective because for her, the more lights, the more decorations, the more Christmas carols, the better. Um, and she will stretch our budget as far as it can possibly go when it comes to decorating our house for Christmas. But you'd be pleased to know that 2022 is the year that I I gave in. She has persisted with me and persisted with me and chipped away. Whereas last week, what was last week, Sunday, the 20th of November, the Christmas tree went up in our house and I did it with a smile on my face. I, uh, I even put on the first Christmas carol and I have successfully managed to get rid of the title of the Grinch in our household. So, um, as ironic as it may be, I am excited to kick off our Christmas or Advent series with you this morning. You see, I just wasn't that guy that got excited about the defrosting of Michael Bublé and Boney M as they started to come out of their caves or wherever they hide for the other nine months of the year. Walking through Pack and Save in like October, hearing Christmas carols, it's like, <laughs> I couldn't really get excited about that. But I do, I do love Christmas carols, or some Christmas carols at least, I'm getting into it, you have to be patient with me. But there is a Christmas carol that I just really resonates with me, or one that I really like, and I listened to it again in preparations for this week, and it's the Christmas carol, O Holy Night. Um, and one of the reasons why I absolutely love that song and I was reminded of that this week when I, when I listened to it is there's a line in that song that goes, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. After I'd spoken to Lyndon on the phone this week and he had kind of spoken through what he was hoping for this Sunday and that Dan was going to be singing some part of, you know, this song, The Hope of Heaven. And as I kind of pulled that up onto, listen to that on YouTube and I had to do it uh, with the lyrics because I'm a visual learner. And I saw that the first kind of verse there, and we heard Dan sing it, saying, children weep no more. Hope is on the horizon. Weary world behold your promised Messiah. Just like, thank goodness for him, because I only had a few days to do this, so thankfully he was at work in the background. But I'm just like, it's amazing. This thing of a weary world, but the thrill of hope on the horizon. And isn't that what we celebrate this time of the year? Isn't it the gift of Christmas and the gift of baby Jesus that we really celebrate and enjoy this time of the year? So I read those lyrics and I'm like, oh, 2022, 2021, 2020, where are we? I don't know, but we feel weary. I feel weary. It's been 
the strangest couple of years. And even if 2022 has been incredibly normal for you, it's like the last week of November. Surely you're tired. <laughs> and if you're not, please can we have some of your energy. But it's the end of another long year of you know, hard toil. We didn't get any lockdowns this year, so we couldn't stay at home with our families for a little while. You know? So it's been, it's been a weary year. <clears throat> you know, as I shared a few weeks back, 2022 has been difficult for us and our family. It's just been a hard year. It's just been one of those that have been difficult. So now if that song is right, O Holy Night and the Hope of Heaven, which Dan sang with us this morning, it might just put us in a position to find something meaningful to rejoice in this Christmas. See, maybe the difficulty of what's going on around us or around you might be the perfect backdrop for the message of Christmas to shine as brightly as what it can this year. You see, maybe it's by design that we first have to get really tired and really fatigued and grow really weary of our own solutions, of our, us trying to do it on our own, us trying to come up with the problem solving, and to actually realize that the hope of Christmas, the beauty and wonder of this upside-down kingdom ultimately gets inaugurated in a king that sleeps in a Bethlehem manger. Maybe our weariness and our fatigue and our tiredness will set us up for a new appreciation of the message of Advent this year. You see, today's message about the thrill of hope, and as we kind of dive into the hope of heaven in Advent 1, is that we learn that Jesus stepped into our world as our Savior. And that's the hope of heaven. That's the hope that we celebrate this morning. You see, Jesus' birth comes on the back end of 400 years of silence. Now, I don't know if you've ever been given silent treatment from someone, but I think silent treatment longer than two minutes from somebody can feel a little bit awkward. But the early church sat with 400 years of silence. God didn't say a thing. I would imagine that some of those people living through that era in time would have felt a little bit fatigued, a little bit weary, and maybe even a little bit hopeless. You see, Wendell Berry says about this time in history, he says it gets darker and darker and darker, and then Jesus is born. So today we get to behold the birth sorry, of Christ. And even 2,000 years later, we get to celebrate in that joy and the hope of that birth. It may be a dark and weary season for you, but it is my prayer and hope that this Advent season, we would all experience the hope of heaven. Carl F. Henry said it like this, or said, the early church didn't say, oh, look what the world is coming to. He said they would say, look what has come into the world. 
I know I get tempted to think like this, oh, look how bad it is. Oh, look how bad things are. Back in my day. But Carl F. Henry urges us, like the early church, to not look at our weariness and what's happening in the world, but rather who has come into the world. I'll say that again. Not what's going on around us and our weariness, but look at it. Look at who has come into the world. If you've got your Bibles with you electronically or paper, I'd urge you to just open up to Luke chapter 2, verses 6, which is where we're going to be this morning. And it's quite a familiar text. It's one that you probably would have heard or read, you know, at certain points in your, um, you know, walk with God, or you might have even just heard it because it's quite a, you know, it's the birth story of Jesus, and you've probably heard it at some point or somewhere. But my prayer this morning is that you'll just look at it with new eyes this morning and that you would open your hearts to what God might be saying to you through the Scriptures. Like I said, I'm very unprepared, so we're going off the back end of what the Scriptures say and what God has left us, and that's where we're going to find the gold this morning. So Luke chapter 2 Verses 6 um, is where I'm going to kind of kick off from. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, her obviously being Mary. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in a swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God shone around them. And probably as you would be, they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Just remember that as we'll dig into that a little bit later, but it's for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel uh, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away um, from them and into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I'm like, I've heard that and I've probably read that multiple times, but I just read it with a fresh lens this week. Just like in that small little scene, all of these things that are going on. Firstly, that they managed to swaddle a baby. My wife will tell you we have tried to swaddle all three of our kids and none of them let us swaddle them. 
But just imagine the scene, like an angel appears to these shepherds, the most lowly in society, to tell them of the good news of the Savior that has been born. Um, it's just an incredible scene. But if you look at verse 10 and the proclamation that is in verse 10, and that's, I'll just read it out for those that don't have it. It said, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you the good news of great joy that will be for all people. You see, the whole Christmas message comes off of the back of verse 10. It says, Behold, stop, look, pay attention. I literally bring you the gospel. Gospel, good news. And then what goes next is probably what stuck out for me the most this week. I know I should know it, but to read it in the scriptures just kind of reaffirms that this will be for all people, not for some people. It literally means that this is for all people, all sorts of people, all types of people, Every nation, every culture, every race, rich, poor, the gospel is for everyone. And isn't that the hope? There was such a segregation at the time of who's right and who's wrong and you know, who's the chosen people and who's not the chosen people. But in that moment in history when Jesus is born, they say this is the good news for everyone. What is the good news? For unto you born this day is Christ the Lord. And then they're told they left with a sign that they will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths in a manger. Hey, weary world, weary Maharangi Vineyard Church, guess what? There is good news. What does this good news lead to? It tells us. Good news leads to joy, real joy, joy that you can experience no matter how difficult your circumstances are this morning. And it's a hope, not for some, but it is a hope for everyone. This is an invitation, it is a gift to every single person here and outside of this community. You see... It's a baby who is a child who's found in these humble circumstances. But it's no, no, no ordinary baby. This baby is the savior of the world. He is Christ. He is the Lord. It is the good news and it is the hope of heaven. I've just got two points for us this morning. Um, that's all I could muster up. The first is that Jesus meets us in our weakness. You see, Jesus will meet us in our weakness, in our weariness, in our mistakes, in our sin. He will meet us where we are at. You see, Colossians chapter 1 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God is and who God is and what God you know, is like, look at Jesus, because that's what Colossians 1 tells us. He is the image of the invisible God. And look at the way that God, the creator of the universe, enters into our story, how he enters into humanity. 
He enters in vulnerable, he enters in humble, and he enters in humility. You see, I don't want us to grow weary or too familiar with the claims of the incarnation. You see, God's Son, the God that spoke the world into being, that holds everything together perfectly throughout history, and ultimately, that God that stretched his arms out on the cross and was the Savior for all of us, that same God entered into the world as a baby. Have you ever seen anything more weak in your life than a swaddled up baby? They are weak and they are helpless, yet we are told that Jesus takes up this form. That is how he chooses to enter into our story. Now you see when Daniel, our son, or our eldest son, first kind of made us parents seven years ago or so, it kind of came on the back end of a really long labor process for Tam. Um, it felt long for me, but obviously probably four times as long for her. But it was just, it was brutal. And it's like 23 hours later, the doctor eventually came to us and he's like, look, this baby is not going to come naturally. We're going to have to go for an emergency C-section. And I think just in the exhaustion of it all, and we're just like, whatever, let's just get him out. And um, so at the back end of this 23 hours of labor and rushed into theater for an emergency C-section, he, he finally came out and he's crying. And the first thing that they do after they've done their test is swaddle him up. And Tam finally kind of or gets rolled out of theater. And now, I don't know, again, boys feeling sorry for themselves. He's crying because he feels like it's been a long 23 hours for him. Um, and he's starving hungry. Tam obviously exhausted and now all swaddled up. But he's obviously trying to wriggle out because that's what he does. And he gets handed over to Tam for the first time, and she feeds him for the first time, and obviously he's in his happy place. And I just, I think about that moment, and I look back, and I'm just like, he was so dependent on her and on us. You know, there was nothing that he could do for himself. He was totally helpless, totally weak, and totally dependent on us. Um, and obviously more the mom than the dad, but um, I give myself some credit. And then I think, like, man, that's how Jesus came in. That's how he entered into our story. And what makes it probably even more shocking is that he doesn't choose to be born into a palace or into a private hospital with all of the latest and greatest technology, with the incredible, you know, midwife or surgeon or... He's born into, there's no space in the end for him, so he goes to a manger and basically kind of lies where animals were lying. I think, like, why did he do this? Why did he choose this path? And I think one of the reasons is, is that because he is our sympathetic high priest. Because of this, he can sympathize with us in our state of weakness. He became weak so that we could ultimately become strong. I want to tell you this morning, he does not despise your weakness. 
Jesus knows your weakness and he knows that you are flesh and he does not despise it. We can lift our heads a little bit this morning, church. We can be a little bit more hopeful that in our weakness he knows how we feel because he entered into that state himself. See, when I look back at the year that was 2022 and just how crazy it's been, I feel weak. I, I didn't crush 2022. 2022 almost crushed me. But the great news is that Jesus knows how that feels. He entered into our world in humility and vulnerability. You see, he doesn't wait for me to make myself awesome before he'll love me and accept me because he'll be waiting a long time. He doesn't despise my weakness. He doesn't despise your weakness. He understands our weakness and loves us in that weakness. You see, he doesn't just love us in our weakness or meet us in our weakness. The second point is that he saves us from our weakness. It got me thinking about that story about that soccer team that got caught up in the tire caves in Thailand. I don't know if you remember that story from a few years back and they were with their coach and kind of had gone too far into the cave and the water started rising and can you imagine the rescue team came and they were like, oh we're here, oh awesome, are we just going to sit here with you so we can sympathize and enjoy your feeling of weakness? No, the rescue team came and they could probably experience some of the conditions about that, but their plan was to save those boys out of that cave. And that's Jesus. He doesn't come just to meet us in our weakness. He comes to save us from our weakness. You see, in verse 11, it says, Unto you, given to you the Savior, he is the Lord. That's a strong proclamation for Luke to say, to say he is the Lord. Because it's, if it's not true, it's blasphemy. But he is certain to say that he is the Lord. And then he goes to say, well, you'll find this baby swaddled up, vulnerable. But in essence, he's saying, when you go and when you see this baby, please know that this is not just any ordinary baby. This is the Savior. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's born into a situation of poverty, but you know when he manages to pull his fist out from that swaddling cloth, you know that he holds the title of Savior of the world. Rejoice, Maharangi Vineyard. Why? Because a Savior is what we need. You see, the message of Christmas isn't just that, oh, we must be better people. We must just try a little bit harder. And yes, don't get me wrong, I believe in the ongoing sanctification that we should become more like Jesus. But the message of Christmas is not that we must become more like, um, sorry, that we must be better. We need to be saved. That's the solution. Jesus didn't come to earth just to be like us. That wasn't what he came to do. Yes, he did come to be like us so he could sympathize and empathize with us. But he also came, more importantly, to make us more like him. 
He didn't come just to empathize with us. He came to save us. Rejoice because that baby that was born is our Savior. Rejoice because this baby is our Christ. He has the qualifications to save us. He's the one that has been promised to us from the beginning of time. And you know what it shows us? Is that God is faithful. Even through 400 years of silence and everything that happened in the Old Testament, it shows us that God is faithful to his people and he's faithful to the things that he says he's going to do. He does them. You see, it's kind of intertwined throughout scriptures, the promise of Jesus coming. It shows us that God holds history in his hand and he intertwines and leans and maneuvers and manipulates things to follow out the perfect will of his plan. I'll just read through a couple of places in scripture where we find the promise of this king that is coming. It's promised in Numbers 24 that a star would arise out of the people of Jacob. It's then promised in Isaiah 11 that a shoot would grow out from the stump of Jesse. Jeremiah 23, that a righteous branch would grow out of the line of David. In Micah 5, that a Messiah would come from a town called Bethlehem. In Isaiah 7, that this Savior would be born of a virgin. And in Psalm 72, that his first worshiper would be foreign kings and lowly shepherds. And in Hosea 11, that he would be called out of exile in Egypt back to his people in Israel. You see, that's not the only places in Scripture where we see the promise of this king that is coming. God works across different millennia, different generations, across different people groups, pulling things together, ultimately to show us that he is the Messiah. He is the one that we have been waiting for. He is the hope of heaven. Have faith this morning. Take heart. He is the one that we have been waiting for. He is the hope. He is still at the wheel. He is still in control of everything that is going on. He's still pulling everything together so that we and our friends and our family and our community and people around us would know that he is the Christ. I'm going to ask the band to come up and just start playing a little bit in the background as we um, land this and kind of finish off with one more song. But friends, are you weary at the back end of 2022? Are you tired? Are you feeling a little bit like your hope tank has been emptied a little bit this year? Sorry, I just want to find it. See, in verse 12, it says, um, after, sorry, verse 13, and suddenly there was an angel, a multiple of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. We get to sing, we get to join in with the heavenly angels. We got to do it this morning. We're going to get to do it again as we celebrate, as we get 
to sing glory to God in the highest. And then again, it says, On earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Who is he pleased with this morning, you might ask? All those that call on Jesus as Savior and Christ the Lord, he is pleased. If you've made that decision, if you walk that road, if you are a follower of Jesus, please know this morning, everything else that's going on around you, you need to know that he is pleased with you this morning. He doesn't despise your weakness. He doesn't think like, oh, got it wrong again. Oh, still struggling with this. Oh, when is he going to get it right? He knows your weakness and he is here and he has saved you from your weakness. I would encourage you that as we wrap things up this morning and as we sing one last song with the band, I would encourage you to look at things through that perspective, to know that there is a Savior in heaven who is pleased with you this morning and brings you peace. As you get to join in the work, you get to join in with the angels as we sing glory to God in the highest. I'm going to open up a, a time of ministry and if you're just feeling weak or you're just feeling like, man, there's a lot of things going on and I would just like a little bit of hope this morning, a little bit of new hope, I would encourage you that as we sing this last song, I would invite you to the table or come to the front and there will be someone that would be willing to pray with you and spend some time with you in prayer. If that's not you this morning and you're just going to be in your seat, I just encourage you to join in with the angels and celebrate the hope of heaven. He is more persistent with me than Tam was persistent with me to get me to enjoy Christmas. He is persistent for your heart and he's coming after you and he wants you and he wants all of you. And I encourage you to just give yourself over to him this morning. And as you kind of do business with God wherever you sit.